This is Entrepreneurs Get Visible, the podcast for people who want more impact, influence, and income. I'm Anna Parker-Naples, and I'll be sharing with you proven methods from leading entrepreneurs that help you get visible as an authority in your field. Because anything's possible when you get visible. Today, I want us to talk about the challenges of language barriers if English isn't your first language or if the people that you are speaking to with your content, you are not the native speaker. Maybe you have a course that's for people somewhere else and you have a fear. And I know in the past that when we've talked about visibility and showing up on lives or creating course content, I've had clients in the past where this has been a real fear and particularly with my clients I feel fear that their English isn't good enough and they're not going to be understood and I'm joined today by a friend of mine Hélène Collinet who is going to be we're going to we're going to have a, a really frank conversation about how you can improve your confidence in the delivery in a foreign language but also how this can impact your business. So this episode isn't necessarily for all of you, but there might be things we talk about, even if you are English and you teach in in, in an English language, for you to get behind and understand as well. So welcome to the show, Ellen. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, where you're living and what you're doing. So my name is Hélène, I'm French, I come from Paris and after university I moved to Scotland because I've always wanted to live abroad and because at that time I had a Spanish boyfriend, then I moved to Spain to be with him and now we we married and we have two kids and uh, for 17 years I've been a teacher, a literature and language teacher I've been teaching French as a second language, and now I'm teaching to other teachers how to teach languages. And I know that you have a very particular way and style of how you teach. How did that come about? So at some point in my career, I was very, very frustrated because my students had good grades, they were successful, but... Once we were stepping out, the activity, the exercise that we were doing in class, and I started to have just a basic conversation with them, they felt very anxious. They were mixing everything. They were making a lot of mistakes. And it was not sustainable for them to have this conversation with me. And I was thinking at this point, there is something that I'm not doing properly because this is not what a language should be, you know, doing, uh, filling the gap and all this kind of exercise. There is more behind a language. This is a way to communicate. And so I've been investigating new ways or other ways to teach a language. And this is when I have discovered the main difference between acquire and learn a language. And this is something that I've learned at university, but I've learned the theory, but I didn't learn how to do it in a practical way once I'm in front of the students. And I've been looking for and looking for the way of implementing the acquisition in the classroom. And this is what I've been a game changer for me 
And this is what I'm teaching now. As you're speaking there, I'm thinking that I'm making an assumption that some of the issues with how people are taught a language mm-hmm. are focusing on correct grammar, focusing on sentence structure, uh, focusing on getting the, uh, the I don't know, the correct, the whether I, in, um, I can speak German, so whether the der, die, or das is correct, yeah. whether, uh, and in English particularly, that's not something that we really use. Oh. So this then builds up uh, a feeling that I'm I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough because I don't know the intricacies of the language. Mm-hmm. And I think that that can then create this disconnect between what people want to share Mm-hmm. and their confidence levels and their ease with being able to do so. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about what you've uncovered about other ways to, as you say, acquire a language rather than learn the technical skills of a language. What's the difference? So basically, because I could speak about hours and hours about language acquisition, actually doing a PhD on language acquisition, learning a language is like having knowledge about the language. So I know how to conjugate a verb. I know how to do the conditional. I know to do the direct speech. And acquiring a language, this is a subconscious process, which means I don't focus on the form, but I focus on the meaning. And this is what a language is really for communication. So it doesn't matter if I'm doing mistakes. It doesn't matter if I'm looking for a few seconds for a word. The most important thing is to be able to communicate in a fluent way. And when we focus on acquisition, everybody had the brain for acquisition, but not everybody had the brain to learn a language. And when you like to learn a language, because some people, they do like grammar, they're people like me, <laughs> they're language teachers, but the rest of the world, they don't like grammar, or this is not something useful to build fluency and to build your communicative skills in a language. I completely identify with this. And I'd love to share a personal story of how this desire to communicate in the best way possible, given my skill set versus the desire to be 100% accurate. Mm -hmm. When I was in my early 20s, I lived in Austria and I used to run chalet, uh, ski chalets for Mm -hmm. uh, a a travel company. Mm -hmm. And from time to time, I would be drafted in to assist on excursions if one of my colleagues was unwell. And we had this particular excursion that was happening that we were going to be taking, I think it was a party of 300 tobogganing on this incredible toboggan run in Austria. And this particular week, I had a member of my family who was visiting, who is fluent in technical German. Mm-hmm. And I'm in work zone, but I'm pretty young. Mm-hmm. And I communicated to the driver of one of the buses that we had a problem with one of the people on the coach. And 
he got what I was saying. He understood enough that there was a problem that he had to be aware. But I can remember family member ridiculing me afterwards and correcting me publicly immediately after this conversation where there I am in charge of a party of 300 doing my best to communicate something I've never spoken about before, never didn't have the the correct vocabulary, but I'd got enough across that the driver understood. And I remember that feeling of embarrassment, shame, my language skills not being good enough. And I think this happens for a lot of people. So how can we get over that? What do we need to be thinking about to ensure that we have greater confidence in the way we communicate. So here you're raising two main problems. You have the concept of self-efficacy and the concept of self-efficacy, this is the the image of ourselves that we have and we are able to do something in another language. And so to build this self-efficacy in another language, there is no secret. (laughs) you need to, first of all, you need to listen, you need to read, you need to get immersed in the language. And for example, it could be just watching TV show on Netflix in the language that you want to learn. Mm -hmm. Because when you are able to produce output, that means to speak or to write, this is a consequence of having a big amount of input before that you've absorbed that it's become in the background of your subconscious exactly by reading or listening so this is the best thing that you can do is providing for yourself a lot of input by listening by watching by reading and after you will be able to produce that output and we have also here the concept of the the affective filter and this is when you feel anxious in a situation or you don't feel part of the group, you can block yourself. And this is why sometimes we have kids that they refuse to speak in another language. And because they have their filter affective so high, they feel so stressful. Our, our body is like doing a, a, a kind of a, a protection and protecting from the outside. And I'm not hearing anything. I'm I'm not uh, in relation with what is outside because I feel so anxious. And the main thing is, it's it's a bit of a a circle, but you have to build your self-efficacy. And making mistakes, it's normal. Even native speakers, they're making mistakes. Absolutely. When you're writing an email, even if it's in your native language, you always read yourself again at the end to make sure you haven't made any mistake. And you can be sure there is something you have forgotten. So this is something normal. Secondly, communicating and the message is more important than the form, than the mistake that you can make. Agreed. Language. What, what is the purpose of a language? Communication. What is the purpose of a communication? Speaking with a lot of accuracy, no mistakes? No. Communication is building relationship with people, exchange information, or entertain. 
This is the purpose of communication. So if you're doing that, it doesn't matter if we're doing mistakes. I'm doing a lot of mistakes right now. I have a big, strong accent when I'm speaking and you can hear that I'm not a native speaker. But the most important thing is communicating. And we're here exchanging information, experiences, and we have to focus on that. It's true that we're going, you always have people that are going to laugh at you, but are they able to speak another language? Mm -hmm. So if that really matters, what they're thinking about your German or your English or your French or your Spanish or whatever. I think that there's so much you're saying that's true, that if you can, if, if someone else can if understand the meaning behind what you're saying and and take action as a result of what you have communicated, that's actually for me what language is about. And I think that I see so many people where English is not their first language who want to make it, you know, YouTube for American audiences, for example, that hold themselves back. But there isn't any reason. And I think particularly people are, for me, I always have admiration for the fact someone is delivering in another language because that's not something I have the ability to do at this stage of my life. One of the things that I know you mentioned to me was the importance of storytelling in your communication. Would you just share with us briefly what that means for you? Storytelling is everywhere. And before I say that, our brain is made to acquire a language, but our brain is also made to learn with stories. This is the oldest ways of education in the world. A long, long time ago in the cave, you know, all these drawings that we have and we can see, they are stories. They're telling us, be careful. You have this mammoth and it can kill us. And here, this is what the tools that we're using to kill the mammoth. They're telling stories about what we can be afraid of, what we can do, how we can improve our life. And this is all over the centuries. Stories have been there to teach us what is wrong, what is right for our community. When you go to the church, all these windows, you know, with colors and everything, they're representing stories. Mm. Because at some point, not everyone was able to read or to write. So they were there to teach us. And stories, this is the kind of, and this is why storytelling is so important everywhere in marketing, in business. You always hear about, because this is the kind of format. I don't know if, if you say it format, but the kind of, you have video, you have audio, you have infographic, you have different kinds of things. And this is the, the way that is 22 much memorable, more memorable than any other format than um, anything else. Uh, numbers or data or... Uh, we what, connect what, to story. Exactly. It we, becomes personal to exactly, us. Exactly, exactly. And stories, uh, they, not only we, they connect with us, but we are able to connect with what we already know and to project about the future, to project about the others. To uh, We are made of stories. Our daily life is made of stories. When we asking to someone, how are you? What are you doing? They're telling you a story. 
when you listen to the radio to a song or music, this is a story. When you watch Netflix, <laughs> full of stories. When you're reading a novel, this is a story. When you look at a painting or a drawing, it's a story. Our life is made of stories, but moreover, our mind is made of stories because our mind always try to justify everything that we're doing. Okay, so for my business, I'm going to do that because I'm sure that it's going to make me a lot of sales. And after, if I have more sales, I can hire someone else. We justify everything that we're doing with stories that we're telling us in our mind because it, it's make things more sustainable for us. This is the way we, we, we're behaving. So for someone then who is cautious about being overly visible and overly heard with mm-hmm. stepping into delivering content in a language that's not native to them. What would be your, let's say, three pieces of main advice for how they can improve what they're doing? Don't worry about the mistakes. It doesn't matter. And it's Last week, I've sent to my subscribers an, an email and I was asking this question. Does it bother you, the fact that I'm not a Spanish because I'm teaching in Spanish or English, but mainly in Spanish? It, does it bother you, the fact that I'm making mistakes in Spanish and I'm not a native speaker? And all of them, all the answers I have received is at all. I don't mind because what you... Uh, providing us is so much, uh, how would you say, um, valuable, mm-hmm. but we, we don't care. And moreover, because you are in the industry of language teacher, you know, it's inspiring the fact that you, you're you not afraid of sharing what you have to say in another language. And when you have a business, you, you have to think of opportunities, because the more you can share in other language, the more visibility you're going to have and more opportunities. Why should I limit myself by only people who speak the same language as me? If I can open to people who speak Spanish, to people who speak English, people who speak French, people who speak German, this is more clients for you. Secondly, if you think that what you have to share is very important. It doesn't matter how you're going to do it in the language. Message matters. Yeah. The message matters. Yeah. It doesn't matter if the language, the more important is the message. And finally, work on the input you're receiving. Because if you, if it's okay to share in another language, but you have to be comprehensible. Because if you're not comprehensible, they're not going to understand your message and it doesn't matter. So you you have to build a certain proficiency in the language that you're going to share. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay sometimes to look for a word. It doesn't matter, but you have to be comprehensible. And this is the same in your native language. Mm -hmm. You're not able to be comprehensible. People, they're not going to understand what you're offering to them. So... When this is not in your own language, receiving input by reading, by listening, it could be podcast, it could be anything that you like, 
podcasting in about business in other language, for example, it's it's a good solution to still learn about something that you like or you need in your life and to improve your skills in that language. I think there's a good message there about proficiency and commitment to the meaning behind your words is actually in many ways more attractive and appealing than perfection, grammatical perfection. Ellen, uh-huh. I know that you would like to share with my audience where they can come and find you. What's the best way to reach out to you? So I'm more active on Instagram. Uh, Ellen, um, how you say, slash? No, it's not slash. Underscore. Yeah, underscore. Colinette, underscore. Professora. <laughs> That's all going to be beneath in the show notes. My team are going to make sure that you guys can click on that and reach out to Helen and let her know that you've listened to Get Visible, Entrepreneurs Get Visible. I hope that this has been thought-provoking. And I think that some of the, the lessons and advice that, that we've discussed here is not just for those of you who are delivering in a foreign language. I think there is a confidence barrier and a, a fear about getting things wrong that many people, even in their own native language, hesitate over. And what's one of the reasons why I keep this podcast really quite raw when we edit it, I want you to hear how natural it is when I'm working out what I'm going to say, when I'm struggling for the right word, because these are really natural things that we do and they make us more relatable. Mm -hmm. Who wants perfection when we can show up as a human being? So thank you so much for coming on the day, Elaine. And if you guys have enjoyed this episode, reach out to me and let me know. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. To get your free checklist on how to raise your profile and to find out about our community, go to annaparkernaples.co.uk forward slash get visible.